Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 8. We are going to catch up where we left off the last time. Uh, we are preaching through the Bible. We're preaching through the Bible. We took on Genesis through Deuteronomy first, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the law, Moses' law. Uh, then we went on over into Joshua, Judges, and Ruth and, and, and found out about victory and living in, in a victorious Christian life and, and what God has planned for us there. Uh, and I'm glad to know that, that we don't have to live a defeated life. Say amen. amen. Now we're going to talk about 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles. So we're going to cover today 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Say amen right there. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of do a... Uh, kind of a two-message two type deal. I'm going to give you an outline, uh, uh, Roman numeral one, Roman numeral two, Roman numeral three, but I'm going to give you an outline within an outline, or basically uh, kind of like we did with Ruth. You remember we shared uh, what, the, what the main points of the book was, and then I shared some application points that I believe we could take out of those books, all right? So we'll do that. And, and point number two, We'll cover First uh, Samuel through Second Chronicles, and then give you uh, four really good things that we learn from those books, and then we'll end on a high note. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. All right, First Samuel chapter number eight and verse number five. Verse number five, we find the nation of Israel uh, coming to the end of the time of the judges. Uh, God has led them out of Israel. They are in the promised land. Uh, they basically walked away from the God who delivered them. <coughs> Excuse me, and he and 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 uh, when Joshua and the elders died, they began to follow the gods around them and, and living in ways they shouldn't. God would send them a judge and deliver them, and they would uh, get right for a little while. The judge would die, and then they'd go through the cycle all over again. So here we find Samuel is speaking. Samuel is being talked to by the nation of Israel. He is the last judge. He is one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, and the people are saying, "We're tired of this. We won't." a king. Everybody around us has a king. All these nations have a king. We want a king. So look in verse 5. And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us, here's something significant, like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel. And then when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should reign over them. Verse 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Help me to deliver it. Help me to explain it in such a way that it is, it is, it is undeniable. God, I pray that your will be done. I pray that you'll move in an awesome way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. By way of introduction, let me take us back to the book of Exodus chapter number 19. Exodus 19, where God has brought the nation of Israel out. He has delivered them from the bondage of Pharaoh. He has delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, and he's brought them into the wilderness to Mount Sinai. And this is what God says to Moses. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, 
Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Say that with me. A. Everybody say it. A. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. In other words, God led the nation to Mount Sinai and he, he brought them out uh, to explain to them why he had delivered them. So here we have them at the foot of the mount and he is saying, look, I called you with a purpose. I have a plan for your life. I have a, a, a great plan, a great idea for your life. And if you will do what I'm telling you to do, you will be a kingdom of priests unto me. Now, the word priest, basically, it just means this, a representative. A priest was a rep God's representative to man. And what he was saying, you all will represent me to the rest of this world. And if you do what I say, you will be a kingdom of priests. Now, you can't have a kingdom without a king. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So what he is doing, he is setting up a theocracy, a theocracy. Most of us don't know what that means. Uh, we know what democracy means. In other words, governed by the will of the people. A theocracy means governed by the will of God. In other words, by direct influence of God. God is saying, I am your king. I delivered you. I brought you out. Look what I did to the Egyptians. I destroyed your former king. Now I am your living king. I set up a theocracy. He said, I will go before you. I will fight your battles for you. I will provide for you. I will meet your needs. I will do for you what no other person can. I am your king. If that makes sense, say amen. Then we, we find that God, he does exactly what he says. He goes and he delivers them and, 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 and he delivers Jericho into their hand. And he delivers nation after nation after nation and, and God blesses him incredibly. And then we find a crazy thing takes place. We find when we get into the book of Judges that the Bible says that Joshua died and the elders died and the people turned their backs on God. A whole generation rose who knew not the Lord. And then, and then the craziest thing happened. The Bible says in Numbers, or excuse me, Judges, I believe it's chapter number 25, it says, and there was no king in Israel. There was no king in it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. God was the king. God set himself up as their king. It wasn't that there wasn't a king. They were living like there was no king. So what does that mean? Watch what happens when there's no king. It says, and there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see Israel, number one, with no king. Israel, number one, with no king. How did Israel behave when there was no king? They did whatever they wanted to do. How did Israel act when there was no king? And basically, when you say there was no king, that means there was no authority. 
There was no source or base of authority. And do you know what? We're living in a society today where there is no king, where there is no basis of right and wrong. There's no basis of authority because when there is no king, you just do whatever you feel like doing. You do whatever you think is right. And you say, well, man, that sounds like my kind of place. There's only one problem with that. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the way will end in death every time. The Bible says the heart is utterly deceitful. You know what that means? Your heart will trick you. I've heard people say, just just go with your heart. Just follow your heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. Your heart will trick you. Your heart will get you to like somebody you shouldn't like. Your heart will get you to follow somebody you shouldn't follow. All of your friends can see it. All of your family can see it. But your heart will lie to you and say he's the one. And he ain't the one, honey. Are y'all with me? Listen, they were just living any way they wanted to live. And see, that's where we're at today. You see, we can, we, if, if we live the way we want to, we can, we can shack up any time we want to. Listen, we've got men marrying men and women marrying women. And just do whatever you want to do. And if somebody says something, you got an attitude about it. You may tell you the problem, there's no king. Our authority is the word of God. Our authority is God himself. He is our king. But Israel was living as if there was no king. No king. Then we find, then we find it gets worse. And you wouldn't think it could get worse, but it it got worse. Uh, It it says, it says that in 1 Samuel, Samuel was the last judge and and they come to him and they've been hobnobbing with the Amorites and they've been hobnobbing with the Perizzites and and they've been seeing how this nation was and how that nation was. And and, and, and they come to Samuel and say, Samuel, I tell you what. Give us a king so we can be like everybody else. It's a dangerous thing to want to be like everybody else. Do you know what God told the nation of Israel in the beginning? Let me tell you where your significance is. Your significance will be found in your difference. Your significance will be found in being separate. And being different, you're going to have a different lifestyle. You're going to have a different dress. You're going to have a different appetite, a different menu, if you will. Everything about you is going to be different. And God has called us today to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And what makes us significant is our difference. Don't look like everybody else. Don't act like everybody else. Listen, and, and, and we have this problem with our youngins. You can, you, can, you can teach them and you can lead them and you can train them and you can shelter them and you can keep them close and you can tell them what you want them to know and what you want them to hear and then you send them off and they come back and something different comes back. An alien shows up in your house and they, they start acting like a certain way that they ain't never acted like before. What in the world's got into you? They start saying things, and you say, what in the, where, where did you hear that? Who told you? Uh-huh. Every parent ought to shout hallelujah right there. What happened? They done got to hanging around the other kids. And you know what? The nation of Israel started seeing this nation and that, and they wanted to be like everybody else. They said, give us a king. And God says, okay, let me tell you something. Don't make the mistake and get God frustrated. 
He said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And he gave him old crazy Saul. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you want. I have found this out in life. Now listen, be careful about getting what you want because you might not want what you get. Amen. He said, go ahead. Go ahead, give them, give them. Now see, now we go from no king to number two, we, we find a human king. A human king. And see, 1 Samuel all the way to 2 Chronicles is the history and the story and the documentation of Israel with a human king. When you boil it all down, we see Israel with a human king. God started with a sovereign king, a holy king. Listen, a God as their king. They went through a period of time when there was no king, but now we have a human king. You say, what's significant about this? We find that from, from 1 Samuel all the way to 2 Chronicles, there were 43 different kings, 43 different human kings. And out of those 43, there was only about 10 of them that was halfway decent. And out of even the 10, they were, they, all of them made mistakes and had issues. Now watch, we go from Saul all the way to Zedekiah, then the captivity. The realm of the human king, the realm of the human king begins with rejection and conceding. They rejected God as their king, and God conceded and said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. It began with rejection and conceding. But if you go all the way to the end, you will find that it ended with removal and captivity. Here they are in the promised land, and because of the leadership they followed, now they've been removed out of the land. The temple's been destroyed, and they're slaves in captivity. Isn't that where we found them in Egypt? Now, now here is the message within a message. Here's four things that, that we, we can pull out of First. Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Here's four things we learn about the period of time of the human king. Number one, everything rises and falls on leadership. I've got a chart of every king. I've got a chart of every king, and it, and it makes it look like a, a mountain. Uh, it makes it look like a mountain range where they were, the, when you went up, it was good. And when they got bad, it, it would go down. And, and so you see, this, you see this progression of kings, and it, 43 different kings. And let me tell you something. When the king was good, the people were good. When the king was bad, the people were bad. When, when whatever the king did, the people did. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Preacher, what are you trying to say? Whatever our leadership is, our country will be. Whatever our leadership is, our cities will be. Whatever our leadership is, our homes will be. Whatever our leadership is, our churches will be. What are you saying? I'm saying we need to be better leaders. Quit, listen, quit complaining about your home. Quit complaining about your children. Quit complaining about your life. It may be just where you let it to be. I saw something on the computer the other day. 
This is funny. Uh, that moment when, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever seen them? That moment when, and it's got this, you know, uh, it said, that moment when you are chewing out and you're angry at your child and realize they're acting just like you. Mm-hmm. You think, what? Where did you, why, how, who did you, they may be behaving just like they saw. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything. Who are you following? Who are you following? Number two. Number two. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Number two. Write this down. <clears throat> we should be careful who we trust. Number two, we should be careful who we trust. I, I was reading this. I was reading it. And this is what they said to Samuel. This is amazing to me. It's very intriguing. They come to Samuel and they said, we want a king like everybody else. We want a king like everybody else. In other words, they were saying, we want one we can touch. We want one we can see. We want a tangible king. We don't want an invisible king. We want one we can touch. And this is what they said. This is crazy. We want him so we can be like everybody else, but it says so he can fight our battles. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Had they forgotten about Jericho? Had they forgotten about Ai? Had they forgotten about the Moabites? Had they forgotten about Egypt? Had they forgotten about what God did? Listen to the Red Sea and how God had went before him. And as a hornet, listen, he led the way and he would not let any man stand against them. What do you mean? And then I got to thinking, how often do we put our trust in man and not God? What they were saying, we want to trust man, not you. How often, how often, and I probably confess way more than I ought to, but how often have, have, has, has a problem risen up in your life and you've, you've, just, you've just racked your brain trying to fix it and solve it? Now think about it. I mean, just did everything you could. Oh, man, I've, I've been, listen, if I sell two to two of my children, I can, I make, I can, how can I? And, and then I see, I see the disciples come to Jesus because they got a money problem, tax problem to be specific. And they said, look, we gotta, we got to pay the taxes, man. What are, we, what, what, what are we going to do? And you know what Jesus said? Go fishing. I'm thinking, I love Jesus. We bring a problem, and he says, go fishing. you got to love that. Say amen. He said, when you go fishing, take the first fish, open his mouth, and you know what they did? They went fishing, got the first fish. The money was in his mouth. Now you say, preacher, you, no, 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 no. Now get this. How simple was going fishing? He, they were fishermen. Jesus had an easy solution. Matter of fact, they probably enjoyed it. It was probably a break from ministry. It was probably a break from seeing sick people all the time. Just go fishing. 
And I thought about that. I'm thinking, how many times have I killed myself trying to solve my problem when I could have just took it to Jesus and he had a simple solution? Now, I know some of y'all got a whole lot more faith than I do, but really? How many of us are dependent on a human king to solve our problems? We're putting our trust in in our boss for our finances. We're putting our trust in in whatever humanly. And and, and here we, I I don't know if you realize this or not, but sometimes I have a God-sized problem. Now, let me submit this to you because this is going to blow your mind. Do you realize sometimes God will give you a God-sized problem so you'll quit depending on man and come to him? Say, why would he do that? Because he ain't heard from you lately. Oh, Malcolm, man, it's great to hear from you. I hadn't heard from you since that last God problem I sent you. Isn't that the truth, though? I know I shouldn't admit all this. Sometimes I get carried away and I get so busy, and, and, and then I get kind of arrogant thinking, I got this. I can handle it. And I found out I can't. Who are you trusting? Be careful who you put your trust in. If you've got a God-sized problem, there ain't no man alive can solve it. Amen? Number three. <clears throat> You're going to love this one. First, everything rises and falls on leadership. Second, be careful who you put your trust in. They were saying, I want to put my trust in a human king, then in a king I can't see. What's well, a dangerous thing. Number three, number three, <clears throat> there is a direct correlation between obedience and success. Write that down, because that's probably the most important one you'll write down. There is a direct connection, there's a direct correlation between obedience, doing what God says, and having the favor of God and success on your life. There is a direct correlation between disobedience and failure. You say, why is that so important? Let me, let me, let me, let me do it this way. And I'm not, I'm not, y'all are really smart, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to patronize y'all or try to act, I, I'm just going to, let's just Put it out there where the rubber meets the road. I have, I have seen people in church. I, I've got a, an illustration. I, I saw a, a young lady uh, in church one day with a grin that wide, happy as can be, excited about what was going on in her life, excited about what God was doing in her life. She had, she had joined our, our Friday night's uh, 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 program, and, and God was just blessing. It was just crazy. And she just kept going on and on about what God was doing. And, and, and I'm telling you, she had a smile that wide. Unbelievable. Well, in, in a church like this, it's, it's sometimes you can get lost in the crowd. When you got three services that's full like this, and, and, and I don't get to see everybody because, you know, it, you, it's very. And so I, I didn't see her for a while. I mean, it was like months went by. And I didn't see her in a while. And, and, and me and a brother was, was on 278, and we, we, we was going, and we stopped at a store, went to get a, a, a Coca-Cola, and, and we walked in there. And when we was coming out, I saw her. And, boy, my heart just broke. And, boy, she looked like she'd been through it. And I said, hey, girl. I said, how you doing? She said, oh, preacher, it's just rough. I'm having a time. It's rough. 
Now let's, let's, let's examine this. I'm in church doing what God told me to do, obeying God, trying my best to live for him. And I've got a smile this wide and I'm experiencing the blessings of God. I get out of church, I get away from God for whatever reason, for whatever issue, for whatever, whatever explanation. And I'm out here on my own trying to live my life on my own, trying to fix my problems on my own, trying to solve my issues on my own. And I just can't hardly make it. Now, I know I'm the preacher. And I know I, I probably see things a little different than everybody else. And I, I probably look through a different lens than everybody else. But it doesn't take a real smart person to see the common denominator. And why do we think if we're going to look from 1 Samuel all the way to 2 Chronicles that when they did what God said, God blessed them. When they didn't, they had the, the, listen, they had failure in their life every single time. Every time they would do what God would say, God would pour his blessings upon them. Now, why do we think if God operated that way in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, by the way, do we think he's going to sweep our sin under the rug? Why do we think that we can live any way we want to live and do anything we want to do and then get upset when things are going crazy in our life? There's a direct correlation between obedience and success. Let me ask you a question. Where, where are you at in the mountain range? How's your, how's your marriage? How's your ministry? How's your home life? How, how's, how is it at work? Oh, but preacher, you act like if you're right with God, there won't be problems. No, I didn't say that. God knows there'll be problems. Matter of fact, you'll have more problems when you're right with God than when you're not right with God. But the, there is a difference. Because the problems you have and the battles you face, guess what? You're in the co-pilot seat, not the pilot. And God said, if you will do what I tell you to do, if you will follow my directions, I will fight your battles for you. You can stand there and be a participant, but I'll be the one getting a job done. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I got problems. Yes, I've got issues. Going to church doesn't, doesn't uh, listen, even at home. I know this is going to sound crazy. I know that probably they're in a pastor in America admit this, but sometimes me and Tammy have issues. But you know what? Keep it where God wants it. And God will work it out. Don't bail on God. Don't trust in a human king. Because God said, okay, you want a king? I'll give you a king. I'll give you 43 kings. And you know what I found? Even at their best, Dave, even at their best, King David, the man after God's own heart, committed adultery and committed murder. Even at their best, King Solomon, the wisest man ever to live, got with a thousand women. And they led him astray to idolatry. You, do I need to say anything about that? 
man at his best is still man. God says, okay. You want a human king? I'll give you a human king. You want to depend on the arm of flesh? Have at it. And at the end of Second Chronicles, it's like God says, how'd that work for you? Guess what? You ended up in the same place I found you. Captivity. Boy, I hope we can get that. We see Israel with no king. We see Israel with a human king. But I want to show you, because we ain't leaving like this. I want to show you Israel and her coming king. You see, listen, God said the human king idea didn't work. But I've got a plan. In Isaiah chapter number 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform. What's Isaiah saying? A king is coming. Luke 1 30 says, And the angel said unto Mary, Fear not, you found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. What did the prophet say? A king is coming. What did the angel say? A king is coming. In Matthew chapter number 2, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men unto the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What did the wise men say? The king is here. The king is here. Somebody say amen. Listen, in Mark chapter number 11, Jesus lived his life of blessing. He lived his life of grace. He lived his life of healing. And he's presenting himself to the nation of Israel. And the Bible says that Jesus rode in on a colt. They cast their garments before him. And they went before him crying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Luke 19. At the same event, it says when he was come nine. Even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice with all the mighty works that he had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In Matthew 23 or 21, it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy King cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and 
a colt, the foal of an ass. And you know what happened? He presented himself as king, and the people rejected him. They lied about him. They put him into a prison cell. They took him and had a mock trial, and they, they lied, and they brought treason against him. And then they beat him with a rod. They beat him with a cat of nine tails, and they drove a crown of thorns upon his head, mocking his kingdom, mocking his authority, mocking his personality. And they put him on an old rugged cross on the hill of Calvary. And they said, if you're a king, king of the Jews, if you're a king, come down from there. And listen, on, on a moment of time, the king gave up the ghost. And he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And all the demons of hell begin to rage. All the demons of hell begin to celebrate and said, we have stopped the king. We have destroyed the king. But in three days, he rose again. Somebody say amen. Listen, 40 days upon this earth, he began to share, and he began to lead and watch and show proof that he had gotten up. And listen, in Acts chapter number 1, 8, the king, he gave them last-minute instructions and went on to glory. And then the Bible says in Revelation 19, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. But he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him. Upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now watch this. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Give him praise and glory and honor in this place today. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord yes, of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He 
discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his birth is lighter. king give him praise church give him praise he's the king of kings and the lord of lords and he's coming again he's coming again when the king left in the cloud of glory in acts chapter 1 8 he said i'm coming again i'm coming again i hope you know him i hope you know him we have representatives of the king here this morning and they have a Bible in their hands, which is a biography of who the king is. And they would love to introduce you to the king. If you don't know the king, if you're not saved, if you've never been born again, I'd love to, listen, uh, for, for one of our representatives this morning to share the good news. The king loves you more than...